This episode is brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. Straight Talk Wireless has rolled out 5G coverage nationwide, and they have plenty of wireless plans to choose from, like the $45 Silver Unlimited plan with unlimited high-speed data, 5G coverage, and no contract. Straight Talk Wireless. No contract, no compromise. Learn more at straighttalk.com. 5G-capable device required. Actual availability, coverage, and speed may vary. See terms and conditions at straighttalk.com. This episode is brought to you by HP. When you're working apart from your team, feeling connected can be a challenge. Presenting HP Presence, a more thoughtful, human collaboration technology. With enhanced audio and video features, you can experience more genuine collaboration and feel more connected. Be in the room, from any room, with HP Presence. Learn more at hp.com forward slash presence. Rorik Honda may get, may get a smaller fleet of cars and trucks weekly, but they have a 100-point system to best prepare their own pre-owned and certified vehicles on the lot. Plus, they have a warehouse full of backups that can satisfy any vehicle request. Visit Rorik.com for all of your vehicle needs. And now we will start the Yajagov podcast from 31st Street Studios. According to the Oxford Dictionary, the word Jagoff is defined as a noun, which means a stupid, irritating, or... Here's how Pittsburghers define a word Jagoff. When someone cuts you off on a parkway. Jagoff! Or someone scares the out of you. Yeah, Jagoff! Or it's a term of endearment. How you been, Jagoff? This is the Jagoff Podcast. Before we start the podcast, we always say, if you like the podcast or you're listening for the first time, we ask that you subscribe to it on iTunes or the Odyssey app. Is that's where that's where you can find us. Give us a shout out or something on iTunes as well. Only shout outs. Nothing negative, everything good. And thanks to Odyssey because we get to deliver what's called the talk of the town now. It's no more daily dose of happiness. I'm 100.7 star with Kel on air. So basically we find out all of the amazing things that are happening in Pittsburgh and we deliver that at 455 on your drive home on 100.7 star as well as the jag off of the week with Elista. Because listen, if you live in Pittsburgh, you see some of these headlines. There's definitely drivers and such that we can certainly call out on a regular basis. And that's where we crown every Friday the jag off of the week. But listen, we tell you all the time, we coin that Jagoff is actually a term of endearment. It's a good thing. And today is definitely a term of endearment because we are here with some of the um, most amazing Pittsburghers. We've been working on this podcast for about six months. So we're pretty excited that this entertainment, as far as the band, were the ones who could do today. Isn't that right? Aren't you so excited to have a jazz quartet of this caliber? Oh, it's so crazy. And I can't wait to ask him questions like, how do they know when to stop? Like, right? How do they know? How do they know when they're changing whatever? Like, we have no idea. Before we do that, don't forget that Leslie Bonsey, well-known dietitian, food expert here in Pittsburgh, is now part of the yajagoff.com blog. Every two weeks, she's writing a Jeet Jet blog where you ask questions of Leslie. We all want Pittsburgh. Look, we know French fries are supposed to go on the salad because they are healthy. Maybe not. But anyways, Leslie's going to help you through this if... Uh, if uh, if you need help, you know, as far as how to be a more healthy eating person in Pittsburgh, right? So we have that. So anyways, this week's podcast is all about we love cool jobs. We love how Pittsburgh is known for things. And we're certainly known for the movies. We're going to talk to Alyssa from 31st Street uh, Studios here. But we have three guests here, all I'm Pittsburghers here. Uh, no, did I say it? Did I say it? Yeah. Should it be 31st? Is it 31st? No, Oh, 51 Bridge Street. Yeah, right. Okay, sorry. Sorry, sorry. I was just throwing that in. Alyssa's in there laughing at us anyway. Um, while John grabs a chair for some of our musicians because it gets a little bit lengthy. Um, so we're, our theme is obviously the fact that we talk so often about how Pittsburgh has transformed 
from such a smog city known for our coal mines and things like that. And here we are in this era now where we're a foodie town and we're known for so many things. And now we're even known for movies. It's absolutely insane for us. We've had the luxury of talking with Dawn quite a few times and she will get on to talk to us. But our dear friend, super shout out to Patrick Jordan. Because we texted him and we said, hey, you know, we want to come back to your theater. We loved it. It's been years since we've been there. But can you give us a couple of names of people who we could talk to? And did he give us a couple of names? So here's the three. Go right ahead. You're good. That's behind the scenes. That's the behind the scenes. The chairs come through. Go ahead. All right. So we have Randy. We have uh, Brian and Chris, right? So you guys all have – listen, I'm horrible with names. And it's unprofessional of me, but you guys all do something very different within the movie industry. So I thought it was kind of cool that we have you guys on and maybe introduce yourself. Chris, you do sound. Brian, you do, wait, Brian, you do videography. Is that what, camera? And, and Randy, you do acting as, as well as, we also heard you're a drummer. We heard the background that you're a drummer as well, right? All right. So, so we, that's what we want to talk about because, and the fact that you guys still live in Pittsburgh and probably travel to do these things and kind of what your story would kind of interested to know, did you go out to Los Angeles and New York and boomerang back here? Those are the kind of things because what we want to do is people listening. We want to know if they're interested in this industry, they can live in Pittsburgh. So Chris, start with you. What's your backstory? And, uh, you know, you don't have to tell us your college days and the, any drinking stories there. You, you don't have to go back that far. No, no life story. Uh, uh, so, uh, I'm a, what they call a production sound mixer, uh, in the movie business, which is the person who runs the sound department recording all all the actors and everything that happens on set. Um, I originally came from Youngstown, Ohio, 25 years ago and, uh, came to Pittsburgh actually because of Pittsburgh filmmakers, which was a a independent co-op here at the time. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and then sort of started from there into, uh, working independent films, uh, did a, a variety of them in the 90s, and then uh, eventually I started working on documentaries for about 10 years um, through what used to be National Geographic. I don't know if people know that National Geographic uh, Explorer series used to be based in Pittsburgh uh, at QED in the 70s and 80s, and uh, some of those DPs and, and directors were still around at that time. Uh, when they moved to D.C. Uh, and, and based their operations there. But I was able to travel a lot based in Pittsburgh all around the world doing those kinds of films, um, uh, also for Nova, the series Nova on PBS. Um, and then eventually I started getting into to bigger productions, Hollywood stuff that was coming into Pittsburgh. And, you know, since then I've been, you know, working nonstop. It's been very busy here which has been great. At what point did you realize that was happening? Because like we said, you know, Pittsburgh has transformed. We've birthed a lot of things. We're proud of a lot of things, but we weren't really known for what we're known for now. At what point did you say, wow, this is really happening? Or do you remember what it was you were working on? I don't know. I, I mean, or it just I, was seamless. Probably <laughs> like the mid, mid 2000s, I would okay. say, is when things got to be sort of, we started to become on the map more. I, w- I would say think? when we started to do TV shows here. Yeah. Good that, point. Okay. That's, that's a big shift. You know, a, a feature comes together. It is made somewhere. It's produced and it ends. Right. But television shows require ongoing technicians, ongoing actors, stunt people, all these sorts of things. And when they did a TV show here, that was different. So which one was it? 
for me, that, I felt like it was Super Ninjas. Okay. I don't know that that was the first one, but that was an early one I happened to Sure, yeah. sure. And that was 11 years ago. Now. Okay. It was 2013, and all three of us worked on that. That's where I yeah. met you, Brian. <laughs> and uh, Chris was the sound mixer, and I was hired as the onset. Um, acting coach for the teens really there. but i also wound up playing a guest villain on it uh on one episode which really was, uh, and were these the teens uh these were the teens. <laughs> yeah, but it was, thir- it was 13 episodes and it was a fantastic job yes it was just great it was yeah fun. i i coincidentally had done the pilot and the season one in los angeles oh wow and i was living here and the executive producer called me and said hey brian you're never going to believe this. We're, we're going to do a season two. I said, okay, great. He said, in Pittsburgh. We're moving the show. Oh, my. And what was that like? It was great for me. Yeah, for I, being I here. Yeah. But were you surprised, <laughs> in all honesty? Because it's one of those things where Pittsburghers can talk about Pittsburgh. But don't somebody else better not put us down because we're going to tell you how wonderful Pittsburgh is. But is it one of those things where you go like, really, Pittsburgh coming from L.A.? Is I, that surprising? Yes, it was yeah. A little, it was a little surprising. Sure. But I knew we had the talent here to do it yeah right right uh, and and so it, it was great though it was great for me yeah I was one of maybe felt like two people that were retained from the first season wow that's awesome and i love the fact that the three of them work together here do you want me to pass along i know i keep forgetting you don't have a mic no no you're fine no i, I it's so cool and that's so pittsburgh right yeah. that's so pittsburgh but uh so brian for you a camera operator um so when we see behind the scenes pictures, we see people up on these cranes and the cameras moving around and we see someone down below and then there are drones now. And what are there multiple facets of a camera operator for movies and TV productions? I um, multiple facets. I, I would I would say that the camera operator's job is to tell the story visually. OK, take, you know, the director has a vision, mm-hmm. hopefully. And the DP has a vision, sort of visually. But I'm the guy. We're the guys uh, and girls um, that that do it. Mm-hmm. It happens when they hit the slate and you go. We're the ones that do it with the actors, and you have to try and tell that story visually. So, do you start off in in your type of job? Because in in your your uh, background, you know, we know that you were like an assistant and these kind of things. So do you start off sort of standing next to the camera doing something and then eventually get the seat on the camera? Then the next you get to, you get to do a specialized camera. How does how does that sort of hierarchy work? Well, that, that was the, the path I followed. OK, I was I was a camera trainee on Silence of the Lambs. Uh-huh. So uh, which is, you know, dates well, me a little bit huh? <laughs> but it was a long time ago. But I climbed the ladder. Yeah, in, in in camera, and that's exactly what I did. I was a second assistant, first assistant, and so on. And I moved up to camera operator, which is where I am now. And I like my job. I'm yeah, quite comfortable where I am. Yeah, yeah, so. but and you don't do weddings on the side. No, uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> that's a whole other thing. So, Randy, you're more into the acting side, and again, love the fact that you still live here in Pittsburgh and can exist as an actor. Uh, how how is that possible? Well, I do a lot of different things. I, I do act, and thank you, Don. It's been an amazing season <laughs> here. I've had one of the best years I've ever had as an actor um, because of all the shows that have come in. But I'm also a stunt coordinator, um, and I did a film last summer called uh, Basic Psych, which Melissa Martin directed. Melissa happens to direct a lot of things for Patrick Jordan, so it's a very small town. 
but and I'm also working on a new uh, on a on a film that's been shooting for years. They're trying to finish it called Unsinkable. I'm their their stunt coordinator as well. But I act here, and the way you do it is you cobble together a lot of stuff. I also, when there's not COVID, I act in New York <laughs> and occasionally in LA as well. But thankfully now, all auditions since COVID, and I think it's going to stick this way going forward, are done through self-taping, which is fantastic because you get to choose what take the casting director and the producer sees. You don't go into an office and they shoot suit uh, whatever happens and if you're nervous or whatever that's what they see you get to do a number of takes you get to control it you get to edit it and send it in and, and randy so, was it like that i'm sorry to interrupt you no. was it like that at some point is that why you're making that that statement has the actual audition itself changed tremendously well the, the process has i mean yeah it used to be that you know i would sometimes get a call from an agent and say you have to at four o'clock say so you have to be in new york at 10 a.m tomorrow wow. morning and so, you know, I would book a flight or whatever and, sure. and jump up there and do that. And it was really costly. And it was really, um, you know, once you got there, you were kind of, you know, frazzled and you had to do the audition. But uh, now I do it, you know, I'll be in a suit and tie jacket and wear my pajama bottoms and uh, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and do, do a self-tape from the chest up and yeah. uh, it, it work in my apartment. And it's, right. it's, it's been a huge change and it's really to the advantage of actors and for casting directors. They don't have to rent an office yeah, there anymore. You go. They can work out of their apartment and just work on their laptop. Sure. So it's been a great thing for the business, I think, to, to, for that to happen. But, um, yeah. And what about the change, you know, as I was writing some of these notes just to kind of get your backgrounds, and, and I, no question's a stupid question, let's start there, because we <laughs> literally know nothing, and it's so amazing to those of us who are just admirers of movies and, and theater and things like that. There has to be a difference, I was even saying this to John on the way here, what is the difference between performing live on a stage, as you've been on Broadway and, on, and through Patrick and things like that, the difference from that to like you just said, and then as you're auditioning for something else, it could be a movie, it could be a series. All of those have a different way, I would assume, in which you audition. Is that true? In which you audition? Yes. Or uh, in which it goes. I mean, what is, talk about, about how, cha how different that is. Well, there are no close-ups on stage. Okay, there you go. That's the big difference. Yes. But, you know, um, it's interesting that Brian's here because there's a symbiotic relationship between the camera operator and the actor. Okay. And... Uh, they help us, and hopefully we help them. Little things like sitting and standing. When you sit or stand on camera, you take at least twice as long as you do in real life so the operator can follow you. If you're doing a tracking shot, you make sure you can see the lens. If I always introduce myself to the camera operator whenever I get on a set because I like to know how I'm framed. If, you're, if you have a gesture or a prop, you need to make sure that it's in the shot. So if you're framed from the chest up and you're holding a phone down by your waist, it right. doesn't work. Great point. So, and uh, occasionally, I have had, and I think Brian may have done this to me, uh, <laughs> when, when they're shooting an over, which means they're over your shoulder, if you get in the shot... The operator may reach up and grab your jacket and pull you. <laughs> Scoot and over so, a little there. So I've done that many times. I just, I just, you know, we're rolling. Like, okay, I'm just going to push them a little bit. Oh, that's great. And, and most are great about it. Yeah. You know, they're like, oh, okay. You know? No, I mean, it's, it's a, you know, it's, it, like I said, it's a, it's a relationship, and you have to work together. And same with sound. You know? I was just going to say, yeah, because, Chris, you could probably interject. Yeah, Chris, Chris will tell me, you know, uh, don't hit your leg <laughs> or, or, you know, make sure that, you know, you sp have to speak a little louder or softer or whatever. 
Right. Uh, there's so many things that you forget about uh, in your daily life, and uh, when you're when you're doing a scene with with uh, a lot of extras, for example, and you have a lot of people behind the people who are speaking who can potentially make a lot of noise. Uh, you have to sort of show people to be conscious of that, which is it's a it's a difficult thing and a challenge on on scenes where you have a lot of background, for example, like a wedding scene or something where people are dancing, um, you know, high heels and shoes and noisy wardrobe or whatever. All that stuff has to sort of be controlled to get the dialogue, to get the performance uh, of the actors. So, so Chris, you would be the one we need to hire every week for our podcast. So there, because yeah, because we have the – oh, walk. <laughs> it's like going to France and saying, we, we. Then you don't know how to carry on the rest of the conversation because you look like an idiot, right, or jag on. I would say, Chris, we have, or we have, we have a SM58. You'd be like, okay, do you have this 775? I'm, I'm totally out of my league at that point. But I think, of, I think the audio person is the person that might drive themselves the most crazy because you get a buzz somewhere, and you, it's like the IT person. You have have to go fishing for all this stuff is that kind of your life on set absolutely and what i think is great about what's going on now with with covid and the quarantine is is which the podcast thing has really exploded yeah. right i mean so many people are doing this now and so many people have become much more conscious about what it means to sort of communicate with sound and, mm. and, and equipment and uh it's actually helped i think the understanding of it for for a lot of people and your sound is different you're the on-site sound i guess mm -hmm. because there's sound effects walking and things like that they get put in later do you do that as no. well that's another specialty correct yeah it's uh um you're there when a production sound mixer is the person who's there to really capture a performance and it's really about the actors it's about the dialogue and then any action that that actor is making or um you know, sometimes it can involve a location which has a sound to it, too. Like if you're shooting at a ballpark, you know, you want the ambience of, of the crowd cheering and the bat cracking on the ball and all that stuff. So you, there's some of that that you're getting in reality in front of the camera. And, and you need to get it because it, it really sells the whole idea of a scene. Uh, so uh, it, it's not just the dialogue all the time. But you're right. You know, most of it, uh, anything that's really going to be emphasized in the story sound-wise is done in post-production with uh, uh, what they call Foley recording or adding sound effects and then music, of course. Wow. So kind of staying on that and sort of to the question that I asked Randy, you know, you worked on, you know, as I was a journalist. And so I look at things and I think, wow, this person got to interview this person. You know, so I kind of fangirl over things like that. I look at the fact that you have, you know, on your resume, you know, as you said, National Geographic, CNN, PBS. Did you have that moment, though, where you said, wait a second, I like doing this documentary stuff, but I also read that you did stuff for the MLB. And then you did something for NBC Nightly News. What, what was it that you said, wow, I'm now doing this? This particular, what I thought I was doing, led me to this. Well, really, the work kind of guide you i mean you follow the work where sure. it goes and you end up in all these different situations and um i think it's true with camera it's it's true with uh anybody who's in in the media in any form you uh there's a certain amount of work that's available in a certain place and you follow it and you end up in you know i ended up in the white house you know for two different presidents and that was amazing amazing experience and you know unforgettable stuff in places you never think you'll end up um I was in refugee camps in Darfur and on the border of Sudan and, uh, you know, so all the extremes and then, you know, big Hollywood movies. So I can recommend 
this kind of work and s sound in particular because it covers so many things. It covers everything from, you know, really high budget to really uh, salt of the earth kind of stuff. So when you guys are professionals, do you, Brian, do you own your own camera and Chris, you own your own sound equipment or you list out what you want on the set when you show up they, when they hire you? How uh, does that work for both of you guys? It's different for... Okay. Us. I own my own equipment. Okay. Brian's working with really uh, stuff from rental houses usually. Yeah, I I don't own much equipment. Okay. I small support equipment that I like. Yeah. Uh, but generally the package is yeah. quite big. I think most people would if they saw all the cases and it's all rented. Okay, gotcha. And okay, and you show up and you kind of make just, sure it's all what you according I'm to your spec. Yeah, I, I got you. Okay. Up, you know, here's the here's the lens, here's the camera, and off we go. And before we go to Randy, because we want to hear a little bit about the amazing CMU as well, um, Chris, am I understanding correctly that as a sound mixer, are you coined with? You're kind of that remote guy. So it's is it does that mean it's more when you say remote, it's more flexible, more kind of diverse. You can kind of just pack it up and say, oh, is is that what that? Exactly. Okay. Yeah, it's all about being in the field and going to places that are uh, far away or with no electricity and no, you know, everything. Right. Everything is battery powered and small and portable. Uh, portable. I couldn't think of the word. <laughs> obviously, for documentaries, but the way I work on on movie sets is I actually do an extremely minimalist package that okay. enables me to sort of go all the places we need to go. Um, and so it's the opposite of a studio I, I was just going to say, but it made me think, oh my gosh, you must have all these amazing little trinkets that you just pack just in, like a mom, right? Going to yeah. Kennywood. You're like, <laughs> I better throw this in because we know this yeah. could be needed, you know, sure. that kind of thing. Um, and then Randy, I know we have some questions because it just, I'm so, so um, enthralled, I guess, with CMU and just the fact that you came here and, and kind of stuck around. You found the need and obviously you gave kudos to Dawn, but talk a little bit about CMU and how that still holds you know here we are as Pittsburghers you know we claim things like it's oh we you know Billy Porter he's ours you know that kind of thing what what has that sort of done for you as as the film industry has sort of continued through Pittsburgh well I, I went to CMU uh, in the 70s as an actor then I moved to New York for 10 years and then Los Angeles for 20 um, and I've been back here since 2005, and I've been teaching at CMU for 13 years, and I actually teach acting for the camera. So I shoot and edit scenes for the seniors for the showcase um, process for them to sh show to agents and things like that. Um, it's, it's, a, 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 it's a world-renowned institution, and they take in about 24 students per year out of about 3,000 people who audition. Mm. And they get the cream of the crop. I mean, our students are, are very talented and very, shall I say, commercially viable. The, cast, the classes are cast, you know. They, there are certain types and certain amounts of people. It's very diverse. There are a lot of uh, actors of color. There are a lot of, uh, you know, all kinds of people of different walks of life and, and everything. So, um, and they are... Pamp not pampered, but I, I think of them as like uh, thoroughbred racehorses. They're they're very mm. they're very high strung. A lot of them. <laughs> they're extremely talented, uh, and they are are nurtured by a fantastic um, faculty. We have great voice and speech and movement people, and acting teachers. So they come out very trained, but they also have 
an opportunity when they graduate. Last year was different because of COVID, but we shot a 49-minute video. I, sh I directed, shot, and I, I hired a crew and edited a 49-minute uh, video that we sent to all the industry people. And we had people booked as leads on series before the school year wow. was over. So, wow. I mean, people, are, people come into our school already signed with big agents. It's really an elite thing and you know um i'm proud of it but you know it's all about talent i mean i think meryl streep could have gone to the acme school of acting and come out and been a movie star um so it, it's not so much where you go it's 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 where it's who you are and what your talent is and um we try our best to, to get our students into the business it doesn't always work students come out of carnegie mellon sometimes they don't work a student who graduated a few, few years ago is now a realtor and he's happier than he's ever been you know mm. But it is, a, it is a great school, yeah. and I'm proud to be a part of it. Well, I love it. Is that right? Point Park. Yeah. Oh, so you're, yeah, yeah so at I've, Point Park. I've been all around the town. That's awesome. Yeah. Now, I want to, uh, we have a question of the day that we want to ask you guys before we wrap up, but I d would like to just ask, uh, in general, if people are listening to the podcast and want to enter this field, uh, I guess each one of you specifically, uh, how would they go about entering the field? You know, we're familiar with the art, with artists, comedians, musicians, how you kind of have to go through that process. You know, you start out at small gigs and hell gigs, and then you do things. So, so uh, if you guys could give a few words of advice for each of your specialties, starting with Chris, that would be really helpful, I think, to uh, to those listening. Okay. Uh, you know, first of all, this city has really produced an amazing amount of good technicians uh, and actors and, and, and directors. And uh, it's, it's a great uh, city because it, you, you have such a diverse uh, appreciation for the arts in general in Pittsburgh. Right. Uh, from our theaters to to films to sports to you know all all the different disciplines and um, the the idea of uh, uh, mentorship or, or apprenticeship is is really important. Um, I think if you're passionate about something, you should seek out uh, the people who are doing it and make contact with them uh, just on a personal level. And I think it, it's incredible what what. Y the response you're going to get. That's great advice. You yeah. Know, um, because I think we all get nervous and think, Oh, I can't ask that person this question. You know, as I said to each of you coming in, it's a little overwhelming knowing what you've all done to kind of even ask you questions that I know nothing about. But if you're honest and you say, I don't know, how would I know this? So tell me about it. People could, the worst they could say is no. Yeah. I mean, it's like, uh, I mean, I, I approached somebody in, in, in my field who I knew was when I was young, who was very talented and successful, and I said, I want to learn, you know, about what you do, and and that person was was gracious enough to talk to me on the phone for a while, and eventually I ended up working with him, and you know, you you kind of work your way up by it's a it's a business of it's a very social business, and yeah. you have to meet people and talk better to people, talk. and <laughs> um and 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 also it's really important to listen, right? Yes, I mean that's the key. It's it, in all these jobs when you get in these positions on sets, is the the key is to is to actually not talk. Yeah, true. <laughs> and to watch and observe uh, how people do their Be jobs. Be sponge, yeah. Being able to uh, either uh, get an entry-level position on a film, either as an extra or uh, as a production assistant, is a great way to observe you know, the people who are really professional with all the decades of experience and watch them work. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's how I did it. I, I was able to 
sort of uh, make my way onto sets uh, and observe those those sort of masters at the craft and and uh, and learn you know by observing. That's great, Brian. Uh, I think Chris's answer is great, but <laughs> I would I would echo seeking out the people. Yeah, that's how I did it. Yeah, and I, I think there's there's a large body of technicians and people that do this that will welcome people who are serious and committed and want to work will welcome them with open arms and it happens every day when i think it's important to point out at least in your case um you were at grove city for something else is that right yeah i went as a computer scientist right uh, studies or and someone said take a photography class is that sort yeah. of how yeah i, I read ja- josh axelrod I, I fell in love with it and, yeah and you know pretty soon changed you know, yeah I just stayed with computers i could have had <laughs> shares in google or something but, uh, but it just shows um, it's it's not always the path you first seek you know right. that it sort of ends yeah. up where you went you know where you your final for so. for a camera i would add uh the barrier for entry now for camera work is so low it was so different when i was sure. young so i mean you can you, you know your phone yes and they have a commercial the iphone 13 or whatever and you're gonna make you know movies and so on uh, so the barrier to, for entry for shooting and editing is very, very low. Uh, so do it, you know, start, do start doing it. And at the same time, seek out professional technicians and you kind of work those two things together where you're developing on a level, but you're also with mentors and people that can show you how it works on a professional level. Sure. Uh, and I, th- I think that would be very effective. Good point. Randy? Well, uh, first of all, I mean, I think you have to be willing to work really hard and really learn your craft. I mean, Brian and Chris are work at such a very high level. When you get to, you know, multi-million dollar films, it, it pretty much everybody on the crew is the top of the heap. And, and these guys are extraordinarily talented at what they do, and uh, so, which is why I love working with them. And every time I see them on a set, I'm very, very happy. But uh, for acting, it's a little bit different. Um, I would say it, it's a combination of working really hard to get skills because, I mean, people are naturally good actors, but learning how to use your voice, how to use your body, how to, how to do dialects, how to do various other things takes a lot of work. But um, And as far as getting into the business, a lot of it's luck, but, you know, they say that <coughs> luck is, you know, when opportunity meets preparation. So you really have to be prepared. And um, the bottom line for acting is you can be the most skilled actor in the world, but if you don't know who you are, if you don't have a good sense of yourself, and if you can't bring your own uniqueness and, and, and um, point of view and your, your own specificity to your work, it doesn't really matter. If you think of any great actor or movie star, they are really interesting human beings. Mm-hmm. And you will find that, that that will get you as far as a lot of things. There are a lot of actors who have never had any training, and they're fantastic. Sure. But it's because they're really unique people, and they've embraced that uniqueness, and I think that's really important. Your daughter, when she's saying she cleaned her room, very good actress. Very good. Actress. Very good. Yes, we. My husband always tells her she's going to go to Juilliard. Uh, and your voice. Have you had a ton of voice lessons? I have to ask because my, my, I'm afraid of you. But yet I, I'm I like come from a radio announcer. It commands my me. My father was a radio announcer, and okay. I think I inherited it from him. It's it's uh, it's the old Russian. There uh, you go. Voice, but, you <laughs> there you go. There you go. You guys, thank you so much for your time. We we, we actually timed so that we didn't hold you too long because it would be easy to talk to you for hours and hours. We certainly appreciate. You 
you taking the time on a Saturday. We always do a coveted question of the day that's a little bit hokey. I mean, you wouldn't be called the Ajaga podcast if you didn't have it. So you're, you've all been in the movies. I'm not going to go overly hokey and say, what's your favorite movie? Because who cares, right? There's so many amazing ones that you could dissect and say, well, for this, for this, for this. What's the train wreck that you can't help but watch? It could be, it could be a Christmas story on loop on Christmas Eve. But I want to know, what is that movie that you, it comes on and you're like, I know this is not good. What do they say? Rotten Tomatoes, right? But I have to watch it. Anybody have one that comes to mind right away? <laughs> you're all going to say nothing. They're all good, right? There's so much to watch that if I if a train wreck comes on, I turn the channel. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, Brian, you look like you had something in mind there. No, uh, I'm, I'm running through a bunch. Uh, I, I, I don't know what Chris, I, tell the Chris Sound guy. Could you please tell Brian to hold up the oh, microphone? Yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> I only care how it looks. I don't care what it sounds like. Chris is just going. Chris is going to charge a hundred bucks now for that. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> You know, I do, like, use the Christmas example. It drives me crazy that a Christmas story is on for 24 hours. And yet, I watch it. I sit there with my kids, and I'm like, I am now watching this damn story that I've seen 100 times. So that's just sort of an example. I don't know anything about whether the acting was any good, to be honest. But yeah. it is a train wreck that you can't help but watch. Chris, do you have anything? Oh, man. It's, it's, a, it's a hard one. I, I actually I love local cable access tv there you go that's a good okay i i I can't stop watching okay i think when i whenever it comes on it's i love watching people just seize the power of yeah right stuff even if it's bad sure it's i always well sort of like the reality remember when reality tv was huge when the real world of um mtv started and all those kinds of things or Snooky from, you know, you're sitting watching MTV like, I, I'm a smart person. Here I am. <laughs> you know, you just get engulfed in it. So, understood. Brian, did you have one or no? You good? I'm good. Yeah. All right. <laughs> what, wait, what's, what's your SpongeBob? I, you just said Snooky. Yeah, I think yeah, yeah, yeah. My husband will say to me, I cannot believe you watch this show. I don't have a TV show. My train wreck is I love bad karaoke. I could watch horror train wrecks karaoke train wrecks i love i hate when they're good so all right so thank you guys brian and uh, chris and randy thank you so much for coming on the podcast here we really appreciate it and uh as we go to break we're gonna listen (laughs) (laughs) we're gonna listen to lee robinson and iska So we're coming back from Lee Rob. New on Curiosity Stream. With superior armies come superior weapons. How has innovation mechanized the battlefield? From bullets to battleships and everything in between. It's machinery of warfare. Plus, from the gross Ew. to the gourmet. Mm. See how that in-flight meal lands on your tray table. On secrets of your airline food. It's all on Curiosity Stream. Annual plans are $20, just $1.67 a month. Visit CuriosityStream.com.
Robinson and Iscott playing jazz. So, Alyssa, first of all, before we even introduce who's here, tell me about having a full jazz band in your office. In your office. Is this crazy? I definitely took a video of them while they were uh, doing their jazz. Amazing, right? Spiel and sent it on Snapchat to like my family and friends. It was like today in the office. <laughs> right. What I didn't tell you was part of this is they are now your house band. You get to come oh, to work and hear that every good. day. Well, I'm by myself every day, so this is right. a nice change of so Lee has requested an office, and yeah. uh, and you know they'll We've just have the band here every here. Monday morning, yeah, right? Right here. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, listen, Alyssa. We have to say thank you. You know, you have done nothing but work with us to kind of make this happen amidst all the craziness that you have going on, and we appreciate yeah, that you've no, opened up it's today. Exciting! I'm glad to have you. And Don Keezer, listen, we say your name, and people are like. Like literally, these three guys who we like, just oh, interviewed her again. No, yeah, exactly. and we uh. are so lucky to have the relationship with you and the Pittsburgh Film Office. Part of it is our ima- ad- admiration for all that you're doing here, but it's also to see how you've been here longer than I realized, and you've accomplished so much. Look at Pittsburgh and how they're talking about it. What does that make you feel like? Look, it's a team effort, and I'm really proud of what we've accomplished. Yeah, Um, I've been here for 27 years. The film office has existed for 31. Yes, Um, so I didn't do this alone. Right, and you know, it's partners like 31st Street Studios and Alyssa. You guys coming and talking about what we're doing. The incredible crew you met three of which today, but sure. there's 1,500 other ones you haven't met. Yet. Ah, right. you answered my uh, question. They're on their way. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> they're on their way. They're all coming. <laughs> well, I told Alyssa, I said we want to start our own podcast just to interview the crew because there's so many individual stories that people don't know and they don't understand where they came from. Yeah, that's it, Don. Yeah, I didn't know Chris had been to Darfur, right? Like, how would I know that? Right. Um, I knew with some of the other stuff he had done, but you just you need time to hear all their stories. That's exactly and, and hear right. how they got there. Yeah. So. And listen, talk about this studio here. I I think it's nestled under a bridge. It's very nondescript. I guess that's probably by design. But uh, but um, talk about, you know, the kind of things that Pittsburghers would never even realize are being produced here. Yeah, well, um, to be honest, we I didn't know that this place existed before I applied here. Um, I actually, you know, I I grew up in Shaler, um, went to high school here, went to college a little bit up north. And then um, I you know, left for a little bit. I actually worked for National Geographic Channel, just like... Oh, wow. Six degrees, right? Exactly. Um, And then I was like, all right, time to come back to Pittsburgh. And I was just kind of looking for, you know, how to get my foot in the door back into the industry here. And a very quick Google search showed me 31st Street Studios. And I saw, you know, productions like The Dark Knight Rises and Abduction listed on the website. I'm like, oh, wow, this exists? That's crazy. Um, Because I was in college whenever The Dark Knight Rises was filming here. I mean, I'm sure everybody remembers. We'll try not to hate you by saying that. Yeah, I know. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I just remember, you know, I was interning at WQED at the time. And the the, the snow was, like, all over Oakland, you know. Oh, yeah. For for those big scenes, the fight scenes with Bane and everything. Um, and I had no idea that 31st Street had anything to do with it. Um, so, you know, I, I kind of just came full circle back to Pittsburgh. Um, I emailed the the owner at the time and was like, I'd love to get involved. And, you know, I've been here for six years now. So since I've been here, I think we've probably had about 10, 15 productions over the past six years oh, that have wow. come through our doors. Um, some of the more notable ones are on the wall here. Mindhunter, Fences, um, uh, where'd you go, Bernadette? The um, what's the one in your office? Stars. Uh, that Fault in Our Stars oh, was before my time, but, <laughs> but I <laughs> love that movie. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I saw it and I thought, oh, I'm gonna start crying. You know, I know. But it's, <laughs> uh, it's, I mean, a lot of 
these movies are just so well known, yes. but um, Pittsburghers don't necessarily know that they were filmed here. Yes. Um, either, you know, like there was a smaller portion of them that were filmed here or, uh, you know, just they were hidden away for sure. secrecy reasons, like yeah. whatever it might be. Um, but Pittsburgh has had so much to do with so many productions. And it's not just with 31st Street, but with a variety of film and television studios throughout the whole city. Right. And, um, you know, everybody always asks me, like, whenever they're first trying to get into the industry, like, you know, who to talk to or, like, you know, if they want to produce something. And I'm like, you call the Pittsburgh Film Office. You've yeah. got a team right there that's ready to bring you into Pittsburgh. So. Yeah. And talk about that team, Dom, because, like, as you said, and you're very, uh, you're very gracious and humble because... Because you, you are a very big force on why Pittsburgh has grown in the film industry. But you're right. Your team has grown. What is that team? And what, what all happens for people who don't understand what the Pittsburgh Film Office, all that it encompasses? Well, we're tiny. There's only three of us. But there's three uh, of you. But there was one. Then, but three with volunteers, right? Don't oh, you have, right. We have right. volunteers and we have interns. We have a complete internship program. Right. And, you know, we get the question a lot, too. How do I get into the industry? And this industry is all based on See, relationships, right? It's right. all about people buy from people they know. That's it. And if you think about if you were going to go buy a car and your next door neighbor sold cars, you're going to go see your next door neighbor who works at Aurora Condat, right? That's right. You're not going to go down the street. (laughs) (laughs) She's so good. Yeah, I used to do radio too. Uh, So, um, but it's all about, but here, what's interesting about the film industry is there is no direct pathway to success. There isn't a prescribed way to go be in the film industry. If you want to be a lawyer, you know. You're going to yep. go to college. You're going to go to law school. you got to pass the bar. Poof, you're a lawyer. Mm-hmm. You want to be a doctor. You're going to go to college. You're going to go to medical school. You're going to do your residency. Poof, you're a doctor. Right. It doesn't work that way That's with right. Yes. So the film office, we maintain a very robust social media presence. Our website's really great. There's job listings on there all the time, paid and unpaid. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's three of us. Heather Bolton's our deputy director. She handles a lot of our programming. She's in charge of Lights, Gam- Glamour, Action. I almost said it wrong. You almost jawned it. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. Messed it up. <laughs> I always March said the wrong of, uh, 22 is when we'll be back, hopefully live and in person with Lights, Glamour, Action. And then Katie, who happens to be Brian's niece, who was here today. Yeah, <laughs> okay. Small oh, is that who you meant? <laughs> I knew yes, Katie, Brian, but I didn't that was here. Okay. Katie, um, she runs our library. She pulls all the photos. Because So yes. essentially what happens is people have either – Usually they call us. I used to say we we've called them or they've called us, but usually they call us anymore. Sure. And they tell us, I'm making this movie. I need a really big empty warehouse. It needs to sit under a bridge, down an alley, whatever it needs. Do you have something that looks like that? We'll pull the photos out of our lo- location library that has over about 100,000 photographs in it right now. Mm. Of the 10 county region. Katie does all that. Katie puts wow. the packages wow. together. She'll pull to make sure we match that and we send those off. If they like what they see, they come in for a scout. We help them find their hotel when they're coming. We used to pick them up at the airport with COVID. We don't do that anymore. Other people do that, take them around, scout, and help them find everything they need, including their stage space at 31st Street Studios, their production office space down the street from 31st Street Studios, and really help them get set up. And then once they're set up and running, then they call us for all kinds of crazy things like, I don't know, Rolling Stone tickets and Steeler <laughs> tickets, which I do not have. And, you know, <laughs> I'm not Ticketmaster, no matter yeah. what they think. Uh, but we try to help them find what they need. You know, they need a restaurant with outdoor space. They need whatever. We're just we're the one-stop shop to get them through their permits and everything else in all 10 counties. That's we were, the, yeah, right that's Southwest. the craziest honestly, thing, right? that's yeah. what I was trying to say. There are literally three of you. And I was being facetious in the sense that you've grown, but you literally are on a shoe string opportunity with people and look at all the things that you've accomplished. I mean, lights, glamour action is how many years now? 21, 21, wow. 21. Wow. 21. that's crazy. Crazy. Yeah, I didn't realize that. 
Yeah. yeah. Your birth, you birthed that? Well, it was done by a smaller group early on, but it was never, it was more of a party for ourselves. You're, right? Yeah, the right. Crew like had an their internal party yeah. viewed as a fundraiser. When we took it over in 2000, it was to make money for the film office. Yep. We're a 501c3 nonprofit. We right. raise every dime that keeps us operational. So we're, uh, we needed the money. <laughs> Thankfully, sure. it's a huge success right. now, and right. we've got great sponsors. So, Dawn, uh, we want to talk about the tax credits f- in a minute, but the one thing we tell everybody, you know, we're in marketing. You don't market your service unless you're good at w- doing what you're doing. You know, don't market it yet. But you get to market, and we always hear, as we just heard on this uh, panel here prior to this, is that the technicians are really good here, it's from stagehands to the audio people. And Alyssa, feel free to jump in. We're hearing that it's not easy to market, but it is easy to market because when people come here, they find that they find very talented people. Is that correct on both both of you know? It's correct. Look, we're one of the top 10 filming destinations in the country. Oh, Pretty uh, much in the top five, southwestern Pennsylvania. Okay. They want to come. Because of the talent because here. Because of the crew. Okay. They want to come because of the tax credit, right? The incentives are number one on all of it, but we're lucky that we can back it up with a crew that we have. If you look at the fact that we really started commercial filmmaking in 1968 with Night of the Living Dead, right? That's really what started it from a commercial standpoint. Yes, we've been making movies since 1914 here with The Perils of Pauline, but 1968 is when it really kicked off, when you really started this, people went, oh, I could have this as a job. This could be a career that I could raise my family on. Back then, we were lucky to do one or two movies a year. Yes. Right? And they would travel. So I laughed when you asked Brian about if he did weddings on the side. People were, (laughs) oh, where do they work when there's not a movie here? Yeah. Yeah. They're taken to other cities and other states and other countries to work on movies because they're that talented. Wow. Our crew is renowned throughout the world, throughout the industry. Yes. We have great people, and that's who's training our new generation, too. So we're extremely fortunate. That's at the people who live point. and work here. It gives it, you chills when you think about exactly. it. Exactly. You don't even know that, right? Yeah. Alyssa, is the crew here at 31st Street Studios, are they transient? You know, is, or, or is there a core group that works here? So, so from a 31st Street Studios perspective, I am the only employee. Okay. Our company is owned by – this property is owned by a company that is based in New York City, and they hired me to be their production and property manager. So okay. like, I am the only person that represents the property on a day-to-day basis. Um, but the crew members that come through here, some of them have been here. I mean, I've seen them on almost every single show. Others have had to rotate. Like Don was saying, you know, if the job isn't there, then they have to go find it somewhere else. Um, so there are definitely some crew members that I've gotten to know better than others. I personally work the most with, you know, the production coordinators, the accountants, the assistants, the secretaries, um, the people that are working in the production office, which is typically based upstairs, um, just because that's my usual group that I'm working with, or I'm working with like the production manager, um, you know, whenever it comes to negotiating the contract or whatever it might be. Um, COVID definitely put a damper on getting to know other people that came in from out of town or, um, you know, just being able to you know socialize with the crew members experience the hype yeah sure it's just difficult because there were just so many more restrictions that have been in place over the past you know year and a half um but prior to that you know i would do my you know like walk through the stages try to get to know people you know the everyone from you know the construction coordinator and his team to the grips and you know the people that worked in the art department i tried to get to know people um, just because they are, as Don said, they're not only talented, they're just good people. Yeah. I mean, oh, sure. And that's friend, how we continue to grow with some of them. You know, some of them came to my wedding like, there's just, you know, like there's a good, 
uh, there's a really good group of people here. Yeah, for sure. Nice. Does it ever wear off for either of you when you see the movies, when you hear of the, the series that are coming out that you go, oh my gosh, we were that much a part of it? I mean, does it, does it become commonplace or are you still like, wow, that's another one that we can kind of boast of? Oh, look, I was trained in sales. So for me, it's always about the win, right? There it's always go. about right. getting the buy. And sure. um, it's always exciting to see it. And it's nice to be able to be proven that we were right. There you, know, you go. Look, I lo- you're right. Look, look at American Rust, right? It's on yes. the air right now. People are like, wow, look at Pittsburgh. I had no idea that was there. Like, yes. Well, we told you. Right. So, yeah. I love that answer. That's such a, that's the answer I was hoping for because it is true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you do look at these or, you know, I was sort of fangirling, to be honest. I mean, all three of these guys that we spoke with, of course, with the things that they've done. I'm more fascinated, like you said, with the person behind it, the talent, the the ability to do the things that they're doing. And it is cool that they have this long list of things that they've worked on. But when I, I kept Randy, I just kept going back to because I'm like, he worked on King of Queens and he worked on Miss Maisel. And he these are everyday things that people talk about. And you're like, wow, again, they're right here in our city. So what's next? What, what can we look forward to other than year 21 of lights, glamour, action? There's nothing beyond lights, glamour, action. That's it. Please, come on. Yeah. That's Shut the it down. Party. You know, <laughs> it uh, is the biggest party. And we've been getting emails. So yeah, what can we, we know we about that? Oh, please. It's going to be at the Pennsylvanian again. We're Yay. back. It'll be bigger than better and ever because we had to do it virtual last year. I think people are super excited. Alyssa and I were talking about it earlier about it's going to be great to see everybody in person again. Yeah. Um, so we're going to do some fun new stuff and kick it off. It'll be great. Um, work-wise, it's going to be busy. We've just come off the busiest year we've ever had. There were eight projects here. Wow. Um, eight. Eight. Wow. Cool. There were eight. Um, and what we've learned is eight's a lot. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I guess a lot so. When you're looking at, you know, having to get permits done in the city of Pittsburgh, and it just, it's a lot for a lot of different people, not just the film crew. And so sure. we need to start being a little more cognizant and more grateful to our neighbors in the region and yeah. be nice about having all the right. time here. There you right. go. Some people are getting a little tired. <laughs> sure. <laughs> sure. And how can people, you know, for some people who are listening, you know, they've heard of Lights, Glamour, Action. You know, John and I tell this story all the time. We we met you by, by I don't even know how to say it, like almost um, farce. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Through another way. And now, it, wasn't, it wasn't stalking. Yeah, I we know weren't that. stalking. Yeah. Yeah. But we that's one of our favorite events. How can people continue to help? I think people, I don't want to sound telethony, but they need to understand Every little bit is is helping fund these projects, right? Well, right. And look, it's it's we're a 501c3 nonprofit. So every dime you give us, it's tax deductible off your taxes. So it's pretty easy. We run Friends of the Film Office, which is super fun. It's $50. I think for students, it's 25 It's really inexpensive. It's on our website. You get to go to the movies for free. Right. So all those promo movies, we send you those for free. You get a T-shirt. That helps. Um, agreeing or offering to volunteer at Lights, Glamour, Action. We always need help pulling that off because, again, I have a staff of three. Right. <laughs> yeah. Trying to get right. all these right. things down with three people. Um, in 2022, we are kicking off some workforce training, which is going to be super exciting for behind-the-scenes crew members to learn how to work in this industry and become union members. We're oh, doing wow. this in partnership with the union and a group out of New York called Real Work. So it'll be the first time it's left New York. and wow. that'll kick off in January so you'll be hearing a little bit more about that but we're really trying to expand and diversify the crew and diversify who's in who's working and we need more people so there's going to be jobs these are family sustaining jobs right Um, these are good union jobs and uh, we're extremely proud of the ability to be able to do that Alyssa what's the craziest thing you've seen built inside this thing here oh well oh yeah you go across um this is the craziest thing I've seen so so I mean 
I think what's more crazy is how fast they build Oh, okay. Things. There you, you go. Know, like, I mean, a lot of the set pieces are, you know, like houses or mansions or caves or, you know, large trees. I think before I was here, they did um, the Vin Diesel movie or um, the... Warrior? No. no um, the Last, Last Witch Hunter. Hunter. <laughs> it was right before I started working here, but I heard stories about how they, like, set basically part of the stage on fire to, like, you know, create some kind of a special effect. I wish I would have seen that. Yeah. Um, so I'm sure that would have been wild. But, you know, I've seen what's really what I'd like to point out more so is just, like, the – I know we keep going back to the talent, but – the construction team and the painters and the artists that That's make great these point. sets happen. It's yeah. not so much like the magnitude of what they create, but the details that go into making mm, it this. The just, artistry of it. Yeah. Sure. yeah. Like if you walk into a set, most of the time they're actually very plain on the outside. You know, you just see the original woodwork that they created to make the walls of the, of the um, set because a lot of it, you know, it's done on location and then they come back to our studio to film all the interior stuff. But then you walk into it and let's just say it's a house, right? The amount of detail that goes into making the house look realistic because, you know, you would notice it if it didn't look right. That's right. Yeah. You don't pay attention to that whenever you're watching a movie. Right. right. So, like, I, I watched someone once. This was a few years ago. Um, take a brand new dumpster, you know, like a big, you know, dumpster. And it was brand new. And they clearly were given the task of aging it to make it look, you know, used. used. So... <laughs> I swear this person spent 10 full hours on, like, sanding it to make it look, you know, uh, gritty, spray painting it with graffiti, whacking it with a baseball bat, <gasps> like, you know, just making it look real. And and I just thought that was That's so super cool. cool. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, that's We just a good wrote story. a blog post about a woman who was throwing pizza boxes <laughs> away, and then she was an arsonist and ended up blowing up the... the- yeah, was she was bad. in was dumpsters. She was she was lighting that. dumpsters on fire. Yeah, no, we're sending here. her down we here for a job. Yeah. We're sending her down here for a job. Yeah, okay. uh, ladies, it is such a pleasure. We're so happy that we had the chance to finally talk to you, right? Yeah, oh, this has been amazing. Yeah, I mean, again, we could do like you said, Don. Or you guys could do a whole podcast on just the people that do this stuff. It's it's yeah. so amazing. So thanks for hosting it's an us. Incredible industry. It it's an incredible industry, and I I've been personally very grateful to be a part of it for the last decade I guess of my life and the people that I meet both crew members through the film office through the partnerships that we form everyone is very passionate about keeping the film industry thriving here and just you know in in a variety of ways and it's just a really great um, place to be yeah let everybody know where does they follow everything all of this stuff Don from you know how they can contribute what's the website what's the social media let everybody know uh, pghfilm.org. We're on Facebook. It's Pittsburgh Film Office. Same with Instagram. It's all very simple. Dude, you make just, it easy. <laughs> no, we make it super easy. And yeah. uh, all the information's there. And it's, uh, you know, shoot us an email. We answer. We've been working remote now for 18 months. We take turns going into the <laughs> office. But we're really great at returning calls. You are. Really fast, no so. question. You, no question. Alyssa? Um, and ours is also very simple. 31st Street Studios. It's 31st ST Studios. <laughs> and don't just that? come lurking down here like yeah, a Yinzer, right? Yeah, don't do it. Don't come down. Actually, yeah. no, we will stop you. <laughs> <Don't> <laughs> <laughs> 
They're just like for private for, for, for yeah, clear. right, right, right. Like well, bubbles, it's, you know, I don't go to set anymore. Uh, I, I don't you guys know. ready for the question of the day? Oh, yes. Don, did you it. hear it earlier? I did. All right, are you prepared? <laughs> I am. Oh, Do it. So, like we said, like you know, it's like asking a mother to say who's her favorite child or what child does things wrong, right? I'm not going to tell you it's Dominic. So basically, we're saying in the film industry, what is that movie that you just cannot help? You know, it's the train wreck that they all talked about, but you watch it, Dawn. I get stuck on the 80s movies. So either call them train wrecks or don't call them train wrecks. But if Dirty Dancing's on, I stop and watch. Such a good one. Listen, I don't think they're train wrecks. I don't. Well, you know, I, I'm brainwashed. But Legally Blonde, Pretty in Pink, look at them all. Like it's, they go, I, I'll just stop and watch for a little bit. Go. Pretty That's in Pink's funny. in my top five, just saying. You're right. Um, and You're just, right. you know, a little, little trivia, Senator Cameron Bartolotta, who's our huge fan of the film tax credits and has been such a help. Yes. She's a bridesmaid in Pretty in Pink. Oh, oh, get out of I town. Love fun facts. Oh, uh, see that trivia. <laughs> trivia. What about you? What's yours? Um, I was going to go the TV show route. Because okay. I could hear you asking this question, and I answered it immediately. I said, The Bachelor. Like, <laughs> I cannot watch yeah, The Bachelor's right. a good one. I mean, right. for, for years now, either my friends or my cousin and I, like, we formed Bachelor watch parties. Oh, sure. Bachelor bracket. Sure. Like, it's horrible television. It's and horrible. Yet, <laughs> That is so true. Uh, My brother would say Saved by the Bell. Do you guys remember Saved yes. by the Bell? And yeah. It's yes. even a reboot because yeah. you right. can't help it. Carl Curlander on that, yeah, as a matter of fact. Right? Yeah, was, there yeah, you go. Right. So, all I don't right. want to let you go, but unfortunately we have all to, right. to give our thanks. So we're going we to listen. Leon? Yeah, we're going to bring. Awesome. Yeah, so we're, right now we're going to go to listen to Lee Robinson and this guy. This episode is brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. Straight Talk Wireless has rolled out 5G coverage nationwide, and they have plenty of wireless plans to choose from, like the $45 Silver Unlimited plan with unlimited high-speed data, 5G coverage, and no contract. Straight Talk Wireless. No contract, no compromise. Learn more at straighttalk.com. 5G-capable device required. Actual availability, coverage, and speed may vary. See terms and conditions at straighttalk.com. All right, so Rach... We're coming to the close on a podcast, and what are you going to say on the ride home today? Oh, are you really going to out me? Yeah, you're going to no. You're going to say this was a good podcast. It's been <laughs> fun. A great po- Listen, all of our podcasts are all. There's always something that we love, but this one is like action. Yeah, and it started off really high energy because of our music this week. Like Please, it's it's fun. Music. It's fun when we have like an acoustic guitarist kind of bring us in like a Tim Vitullo, bring us in a little mellow. Yes. But today was like I was ready to run home, like run a marathon after listening to that music. So 35 Lee, years welcome. in the industry, right? Maybe a little more. A little more? Yeah. Okay. If we're, if we're talking paying years, probably 10 or 20. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what is it about jazz? Start there. Why? What is it about yes. jazz? Well, jazz comes basically from the heart. Yes. So, you know, the music uh, came from, the music basically was initiated from people who were working people, you know, who were African American Mm -hmm. or African. Mm -hmm. And um, part of that music is an outcry of of an expression. Yes. So that has to be in the music. Right. And blues and, and, you know, gospel and all that stuff comes later, and then rock and roll and all that other stuff comes even further out sure sure so so when you incorporate that feel from the heart genetically or you know synthetically you know get it some kind of way then it shows up and it makes you want to run a marathon 
Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, I have I always ask the dumb questions, Lee, so be prepared, man. But uh, it's so easy. It's so easy to start a jazz song. But how do you know, like, when we started the podcast, you said, well, how long do you want us to play? I go, play one song. You go, that could be 10 minutes. So <laughs> well, how does, musician, how right? does the band on. know when you're sort of wanting to wind down or when you're playing jazz, everybody takes a spot. And we heard, like, you know, there was a drum solo, then the keyboard jumps in there, and you take you back off the clarinet, and you come back in. Do you guys, I mean, it's somewhat rehearsed, but jazz is not 100% rehearsed, right? How do you well, know? It's not, it, it is, it's rehearsed. But again, you know, let's, we're going to go back to what I, I said at the beginning. You know, it's from the heart, it's from the feeling. So when you're performing with these guys, it's, it is, a, you know, a group effort. It's a team. You know, I may be the leader, but I'm not all those guys. If you see me with, uh, a different combination of guys. That music, that same song, is going to be completely different. Uh, I do um, uh, prescribe and aspire to playing the same song differently there every you go. time. Yeah. And the part that you asked about uh, how do you, how do you know? So when you go to the no part, you're going up here. To okay. But I said, it's a feeling. Yes. You have to be here. Mm-hmm. So when those guys, when we're playing, and, and, and I'm in front of those guys, and I'm not even looking at them, and I'm not directing the way you think I'm directing, but they're listening. Mm-hmm. And then they're feeling. I see. So, and then they're feeling, everybody's feeling each other. So at that point, we're connected. At some point, does the audience expression play a part? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean... Any performance, any kind of live performance, um, is going to be different with a live with a, a live audience or without a live audience. It's, it's going to be different. Yeah, but you can you can actually psych yourself up into doing it, but everybody can't actually do that. Sure. Together. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You have to yeah. have that. Front. Walk us a little bit but through your music career. Where, when did you start? Well, what were you doing? We're going to run. We're gonna, All right, we'll run. We're going to skip too. <laughs> okay. So we. Uh, so there was there was music in the you know in my family's fam both sides mother and father pianos in, in grandma's houses and gospel singing and doo wop singing you know when I was a kid you know not me but around me and uh, and uh, then uh, I learned how to play clarinet uh, from a school program and then I went from there to saxophone and all that stuff and uh, just like anybody else when you're a kid at that age. You play a saxophone. Hey, George up the street plays drums. You know this. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Get together. We're gonna make a band. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's it. yeah. So that's what happened. And then uh, we were practicing at a, a, the friend's a friend's house, George's house, and his dad was upstairs here. You know, he's listening to him, banging around. He says, "Hey, I think I think I have a gig for you guys." And we were like, "Yeah." Yeah. Right. So that's how it kind of started. just started. And. Uh, we were playing R&B. Okay. We played a couple of gigs, and then I got into a, a more formal group as a teenager, you know, 16. And the parents of uh, one of the group members, were they were our uh, chaperones, and they actually booked us. So we were underage, so they would book us, and they would take us and bring us home. I love And that. all that stuff. And so I was playing R&B. You know, I, was, yeah. I, I had played in some historic places, and... 
um, it was a great experience, you know. R&B is my favorite music. Who's your, who's your go-to R&B artist? Wow. Yeah, it's a lot. Yeah. Well, I got to tell you, uh, from the inspiration point, uh, it would be uh, probably Junior Walker. Okay. The, Junior Walker and, and the All-Stars. All Stars, yeah. From Motown. Okay. Yes. I, I think he's underrated. and uh, But you have to go back and pull out the Junior Walker albums, and you'll see that he's more than what shows up in history for sure you knew that too i did she's yeah. like from the all-stars yeah her dad used to play motown drums oh, drums and motown yeah it. so yeah 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 I found out who her dad was. so the jazz uh it's um it's it's fun because you can go out and play live like at a, at a park to me that's the like the ultimate experience for jazz i don't want to sit in an auditorium and watch and listen to jazz. I want to sit in a park, drink wine, eat snacks. You know, where, how That's do you... That's a Sunday. Is, is that a... <laughs> all right. Uh, how do you like to see people consuming jazz? Or you don't care as long as they're, cons- as long as well, they're listening do, and enjoying it. I do care. Yeah. yeah there, there, are, there are limits. <laughs> <laughs> right. Sure. You don't want to be in an office at 31st Street Studios <laughs> and on well, Saturday I morning. I don't, I don't necessarily <laughs> want, want the guy drinking beer and wine walking up on stage. There yeah, you go. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. But, but uh, it's different because of the type of venue so what you're talking about is you know when i was uh playing in that time in 16 17 18 there were events called cabarets where people would bring their own wine and beer and food and chicken and mashed potatoes and potato salad and dress up and have a jazz group play that was called a cabaret. Okay. They don't have those anymore under that particular sure. name or format. Right. Uh, so, and then playing in a park, I mean, is is completely different for me. That's more like a, that's like my ultimate thing. I like playing out. I like playing concerts. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, having the audience uh, appreciate it. And you're very busy from what we're understanding, right? Lots of, since COVID, things are kind of coming back slowly, but coming surely. Coming back slowly. Yes. Things are coming back slowly. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, uh, and I do use the, the COVID time for, as an opportunity to, to learn different facets of the music and yeah. I'm working with software and learning new things. And that's it, right? We all have to learn this damn software. Well, you have, you have to learn software and, yeah. and you have to learn how to live with COVID, too. Yeah, right. That's it. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. Well, we've heard your song all throughout each guest today. Is there a name of the song or that was just that, a That was that was a tune that's um uh composed by Wayne Shorter and it's a version of it that is not typical. So we use it's a 3/4 tune, is, you know, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. It's like a 3/4 tune, but we're playing it in 4/4. Four four. Gotcha. And it's called Footprints. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. I love nice. it. Listen, uh, you, I could have listened to you for hours. Yeah. You know, and John gave the, f- he said, I told them four minutes and I was like, oh my gosh, it feels like two minutes, but it's actually been a little more, right? Yeah. Because but you just, you get captivated by the sound. And I think it's so important because people are, what I love about now, Lee, is that people are appreciating music more. I think COVID had a part of it, but I also think that genres changed but genres are meshing now, and you're hearing a little bit of different sounds, you know, for different people. Well, I agree. I, I think that song, sounds have been meshing for years. Yeah. And that's the actually one of the that's actually one of the ultimate reasons why um, I like playing jazz because jazz is an evolving music, mm. and 
it basically part of the the ingredient of jazz is life the lifestyle sure. no doubt so if you look at the history of jazz it changes period to period because of the lifestyle you know you had the bebop era you had the school jazz era you had the progressive area eras those all represent our culture yes you know so it's a great it basically part of the the ingredient of jazz is life the sure. lifestyle mm -hmm. no doubt so if you look at the history of jazz it changes period to period because of the lifestyle you know you had the bebop era you had the school jazz era you had the progressive area eras those all represent our culture yes you know so it's a great it basically part of the the ingredient of jazz is life the sure. lifestyle no doubt so if you look at the history of jazz it changes period to period because of the lifestyle you know you had the bebop era you had the school jazz era you had the progressive area eras those all represent our culture yes you know so it's a great it basically part of the the ingredient of jazz is life the sure. lifestyle no doubt so if you look at the history of jazz it changes period to period because of the lifestyle you know you had the bebop era you had the school jazz era you had the progressive area eras those all represent our culture yes you know so it's a great it basically part of the the ingredient of jazz is life the sure. lifestyle no doubt so if you look at the history of jazz it changes period to period because of the lifestyle you know you had the bebop era you had the school jazz era you had the progressive area eras those all represent our culture yes you know Care that we'll make sure we get all those <laughs> yeah. for our show notes now do you know our question of the day do you, about the train wreck it's, thing do you the question do you... of the day is about train wrecks well my <laughs> favorite song is uh last train home pat metheny Oh wow! That, but that's a good. That's a good. Yeah, one. that's, that's a, a good one. one. So what's the train we song? play that too. No, nobody plays that one. But, <laughs> but um, I have train wreck um, situations. Okay. okay. You watch a movie. There's a band playing. They <laughs> they zoom in on a saxophone player, for instance. The mouthpiece is upside down. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a good one. Do you know a movie in particular? You don't want to say. No, I see. I I see. I've seen printed, printed ones. I've seen uh, commercials. I've seen. That's movies. funny. Yeah. That is so. That's a that's good point. That's a classic. And if you know right your there. craft, you, you right, right. Out pretty quickly. I would, and do you also ever, when you hear sax playing that the keys aren't really the right keys? Uh, yeah, I watch the fingers. Yeah. <laughs> I watch the fingers. Oh my gosh, Lee! Yeah, thank you it. so much for your time. We can't thank you enough. You're you're truly a gem. We appreciate you sharing. Well, your thank time you, with us. thank you. For yeah, we appreciate you sharing a Saturday. Here in, in uh, 31st Street Studios. So lots of people to thank We have here. so many people to thank. I don't even know where to start. Actually, you know who we have to start with? Patrick Jordan. Huge thank you to Patrick right. Jordan because, you know, literally we told the story in the beginning that we texted him and we said, hey, we really want to focus on the film industry here in Pittsburgh. And obviously everybody knows Dawn and she's been so good to us. But beyond Dawn, how can we talk to these people? And he literally hooked us up with these three gentlemen today. We're so lucky. Thank you, Patrick. Yeah. And check out And you might say, theater. well, why isn't Patrick on the podcast then? Because, because we're, we're doing there. something there. Yeah, yeah, we're going there. Right. That's why. So thanks again to Tracy for doing all of this. Thanks to Colin behind the camera all the time. Thanks to Lee Robinson and Iska. Thanks to Brian. Go ahead. Randy. Randy. Chris. Chris. <laughs> ha! 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 Thanks, Lee, because I, I can't get Jesus. it. Jesus. Yeah, right, right, right. And thanks to Alyssa. 
listen, this could not happen without yeah. her. She's here. She's enduring everybody for the last two hours. She has somewhere to be, and she has welcomed right. us with open arms. Please check out all the movies that are happening here. Please support local. Please make sure you see all the amazing efforts of the Pittsburgh Film Office and 31st Street Studios. And thanks for listening to the Ajaga Podcast. And thanks to Rory Conda, because Rory Conda may get a smaller fleet of cars and trucks weekly, but they have a 100-point system to best prepare their pre-owned and certified vehicles on one lot. Plus, they have a warehouse full of backups that can satisfy any vehicle request. As always, 